Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition. A week seven edition. College football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for what should be another fun weekend in college football. Listen, I'll say this. Every, you know, it feels like some years there's like two, three, four weekends where we just don't get any marquee games at all. That has not been the case this year, and we got a bunch of big ones this coming weekend. Oregon at Washington, Notre Dame hosting USC, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Auburn LSU, UNC Miami, on and on and on so many good games and we're about to break them all down momentarily before we do though a couple quick reminders one make sure that you are subscribed to the college football betting show apple spotify amazon music google music wherever you get podcasts but also we have the college football betting youtube channel if you are not subscribed there go to youtube it's separate than the aaron torres pod channel we just talk football preview games all that good stuff college football betting with Aaron Torres. Also, before we get started, sure remind everybody, we have partnered with our friends, DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app for college football season. Legal sports betting just came to Kentucky. DraftKings has partnered with us and we are so excited. And here's the cool part. DraftKings has an incredible offer for listeners of this show. This is all you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can bet $5 on any game. And you get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the code Taurus. That's Taurus, T-O-R-R-E-S. And that's really, it's that simple. It's all you got to do. First time customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code Taurus. Bet $5 on any game and you get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Let's start with that Oregon-Washington matchup. Top 10 matchup. And a couple things stand out just thinking about this game. One For so long, the Pac-12 has taken so much heat, so much beating, so much this, so much that. It's just cool to see a top 10 matchup between two programs that it seems like everybody respects. And I think everybody believes are good enough to win this game and make a run towards a Pac-12 title, a college football playoff berth, and maybe make a run still even if they lose this game. Beyond that, what I also think is pretty cool, we're getting these two teams off a bye. And I understand that once a football season starts, you're never going to be at 100%. But for a matchup this big, with as much at stake as it is, it's cool to know that we're going to get something close to 100% of both of these teams, which is exactly going the case going into this game. Should mention, Washington had two of its star receivers banged up co- going into the bye. 
Both are fine, ready to go, 100% coming into this one. So exciting game, fun game, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific. Washington is a three-point favorite. The over-under set at 67 points, and it's with good reason. Both these offenses are awesome. And really, if I had to describe these two teams in, in, in one, one or two sentences, what I would say is this. I believe Washington is as good at any one thing as anybody is in college football. And at the same time, I believe that Oregon is right up there in the short conversation, maybe with Michigan, maybe with Georgia, maybe with Florida State as the most complete teams in college football. Oklahoma's maybe in that conversation, whatever. So let's start by breaking it down. And when it comes to Washington, you don't need me to tell you, okay? They are unbelievable passing the football. Number one total offense in college football, about 569 yards per game. And that is because they throw the ball more and more successfully than anybody in the sport. They are averaging 446 pass yards per game. That is insane, okay? So let me give you a little context here. Washington is number one in the country in passing. The number two pass offense is actually Washington State, ironically enough, which passes it about 70 yards per game fewer than Washington. So take the best pass offense you've seen anywhere in college football this year. Jaden Daniels, LSU, Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma, Caleb Williams, USC. Washington is throwing for 70 yards per game more than any team in college football, but they also run the ball less than anybody in college football as well. So it's kind of that old school Mike Leach, you know, we're not even going to try to pretend to do anything other than pass the football. Oregon is interesting from this perspective. They are number two in total offense in all of college football. So we have the top two offenses in college football, but Oregon is much more balanced with a top 10 run offense and a top 10 pass offense going into this game beyond that. And I think this is important. They're really good everywhere. They get after the quarterback. They're the top 25 nationally in sacks per game. They are in the top 20 nationally in turnover margin per game. They are in the top 10 in total defense per game. So you look at this team, run the ball, pass the ball, don't turn the ball over, get after the quarterback, can stop the run. They do everything at a pretty high level. And so when I start to break down this game, I think that's the, ultimately the question, right? We know what Washington wants to do. The question is, can they do it at the level that they've done it against everybody else? And I'll be blunt. I think it's going to be a challenge for Washington. Not that they're not going to be able to throw the ball. They will be able to. But against this Oregon defense, this is by far the best pass defense that they've seen all year, okay? So coming into this game, Oregon has, how about this? They have the number six, I believe. I want to make sure I have this accurate. The number five pass defense in all of college football, okay? Top five nationally. Here are the rankings of the teams that Washington has played so far. They have played Boise. Boise is ranked 125th nationally in pass defense. Tulsa is ranked 120th nationally in pass defense. Michigan State, 69th nationally in pass defense. Cal, 117th nationally in pass defense. Arizona, 87th nationally in pass defense. So keep that in mind when you think about this game. There are 133 teams in FBS college football, okay? So the top half of that is about the top 60 or so, 65 or so. They have not faced, Washington has not faced a top half of college football pass defense. They are facing the number five pass defense in college football this weekend. Now, if you want to argue that part of the reason all those teams are ranked so low is because they faced Washington, that's fine. It doesn't change the fact that this is going to be the biggest test of the season for Washington. And then from the Oregon perspective, I think their balance is what I like going into this game. Because Washington, we know what they want to do. They want to throw the football. They don't run the football. And bluntly, 
they don't play very good defense. They're okay defensively, 64th nationally. But here's my big concern. 46 nationally against the run. That might be good enough. 93rd nationally against the pass. And I just told you who their opponents were, okay? Arizona, Cal, Michigan State, Tulsa, Boise. None of those are elite pass offenses. So now you're going up against an Oregon team with Bo Nix that can run the football. You can't load the box, but at the same time, you can't drop back into coverage either because they're so balanced. And beyond that, Oregon is very similar to Washington in the perspective that they have multiple guys that can beat you. That was one thing Dan Lanning talked about going into this game at his Monday press conference. He said, when it comes to Washington, usually when you, when you plan for a team, there's one or two guys that you feel like if you could take that guy out of the game, you have a good chance to win. Well, with Washington, they have three or four. And with Oregon, how about this? They have, I believe the stat is seven different receivers that have at least 10 catches this year. So they distribute the ball, they run the ball, and most importantly, they play defense. And so if you're asking me who I'm picking in this game, I know they're going on the road. I know it's going to be a challenge, but I like Oregon to win this game outright in Seattle. A couple last thoughts on this one before we move on to USC Notre Dame. One, keep an eye on the weather, okay? As of right now, it's supposed to be in the 60s, it's supposed to be a little bit drizzly, not pouring rain, but that certainly isn't advantageous for a team that throws the ball as much as Washington does. Second thing I can't help with think about with Washington, the last six halves of football, they have not been great, okay? So if you remember going into the bye, they played Arizona, they win by a touchdown. But keep in mind the game before that against Cal, okay? Everybody remembers that they destroyed Cal. But in the second half of that game, they were actually outscored by Cal 20-14. to Now, it didn't end up mattering because they were up by so much at halftime. But they've really played about six straight halves or six straight quarters, three straight halves of good but not great football. Again, I'm rolling with Oregon. I'll say final score 30. I'll say 38-34. Oregon beats Washington at Washington. By the way, that's a very similar score to the game in Eugene last year that Oregon lost when Bo Nix got hurt late in the game. Give me Oregon to win the game outright. All right, let's get to the other big game on Saturday. Really interesting matchup. Saturday night in South Bend. We are, of course, talking about the USC Trojans traveling to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, I think you know about this one. It's a big rivalry. A lot is at stake. Uh, As I record here, the spread on this game is Notre Dame is about a three-point favorite, two-and-a-half, three-point favorite, depending on uh, you know, in the DraftKings Sportsbook, it is a two and a half point difference. The over under set at 62 and a half. What's interesting about this game, I find this fascinating. I find this fascinating is think about this game going in. Uh, uh, Notre Dame is coming off three straight, really, really tough, really physical games. And they are coming off a game where they got beat up and embarrassed by the Louisville Cardinals last Saturday. USC, meanwhile, they come in six and zero. Oh, They come in off an emotional win, but that win felt like a loss to the Arizona Wildcats because of the manner in which it happened. And when I think about that game, I I was thinking about this as I was preparing. I was thinking about this. Think about the the, the Arizona-USC game. It was a game that USC won but felt like a loss. But think about how it happened. Everybody wants to credit Caleb Williams, but he also played his worst game, but he also saved him when it matters. And everybody wants to blame the defense, but the defense was actually pretty good for large chunks of that game. 
And so it was funny, right? Because after the game, Lincoln Riley actually went to the podium and he said, look, the defense won us this game. And everybody mocked him. Everybody laughed at him. Everybody made fun of him. Everybody made their jokes on social media. I think he was actually right. I looked it up just because I was curious because I, I was hosting radio during that game. So I saw Arizona go up 3-0, 10-0, 17-0. And Arizona scored 17 points on their first three possessions. Their final eight possessions of the game. Arizona scored just 10 points total, and I actually thought that USC defense played well enough. Now, it also doesn't change the fact that over the course of the game, USC's defense was not good. They did give up over 500 yards, and that is after a game in which they gave up 500-plus yards to Colorado closer to 600 yards. I believe the total was 568 yards per game. So this USC defense is clearly struggling. I tried to tell you. I get a lot of stuff wrong, but I tried to tell you guys. Like everyone's like, oh, they, they figured it out. It's like, no, they played Nevada in week one, who was the, one of the worst teams in college football. They played Stanford in week two, who is probably the worst team in the Pac-12. They are an 11-point underdog this week against Colorado. And I just said, I, I don't think the defense is fixed, and it has proven itself out. As coming into this game, they are ranked. Are you ready for this? Trojans fans, cover your ears. USC is ranked, I believe it's 112th nationally in total defense. This was the team that everybody told me was fixed coming into to, to about two weeks ago. They're now 112th defense in total defense in all of college football. Only Stanford and Colorado are worse in the Pac-12. From the Notre Dame perspective, you know, listen, they're coming off three really big emotional games, right? Two weeks ago, it was Ohio State. Or three weeks ago, excuse me, it was Ohio State. Then it was at Duke, a last second win. Then they just got beat up by Louisville last week. And it's funny, right? Because I, and I might've talked about this on Monday's show, Monday's Aaron Torres pod, but coming out of that game, it was like, I don't really know what to make of Notre Dame because I don't think you can blame Marcus Freeman when your offense is, you know, Marcus Freeman is a defensive coach, but, but the offense turned the ball over five times and had 44 yards on the ground rushing. This is a team that even after that game is still one of the best rushing offenses in all of college football, or at least relatively speaking, they're averaging 171 yards per game on the ground. They had no trouble running the ball against a good Ohio state team, had no trouble running the ball against a good Duke defense. And they got completely shut out against a very good Louisville defense. And I think that maybe more than anything was my takeaway from that Louisville game. Louisville we talk about Jeff Brown. We talk about the pass offense. That defense, and especially the run defense, is really, really, really good. That is a top 20 group nationally. And so when I look at this game, I'll be blunt. Back at home, I expect Notre Dame to be much better. And I expect Notre Dame to be able to move the ball on the ground. And ultimately, that is one thing that you have to do to beat USC, right? I mean, it, it goes without saying. You don't need me to tell you. Um, you look at USC. You look at Lincoln Riley. You look at the quarterbacks. If you can run the football keep those guys off of the field, that is only going to benefit you over the course of a game. The best way to neutralize Caleb Williams is by keeping him off the field. That is something that Arizona actually did a very good job of last week. They had over 200 yards rushing, again, kept Caleb Williams off the field. And I really think that's something Notre Dame will be able to do. And when I look at this game, it comes down to two things. Can Notre Dame run the ball better than they, they did? And can Notre Dame protect or defend the pass better than they not really better, but can they protect the pass basically against the Caleb Williams coach, uh, Caleb Williams led offense. And the answer is through seven games, they actually do both things very well. 
And it's interesting because one, the run offense, as I said, is averaging 171 yards per game, even after only having 44 yards last week. But then did you know Notre Dame has the number three pass defense in all of college football? And by the way, they're through more than half of their season. Remember, they played in week zero. They have not had their bye yet. They actually have two buys before the end of the season. They are number three in pass defense. And it's not like they haven't played people. Played Kyle McCord in the Ohio State offense with Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka. They played a future first rounder in Riley Leonard and uh, that Duke offense. And last week they f- faced a very good pass offense from Jeff Brown. So when I look at this game, I'll be blunt. I like Notre Dame. Because to me, this is a classic styles make fights game. First of all, night game, South Bend, all that good stuff. But two, this is a game where everything benefits Notre Dame from a matchup perspective. I want to look up one thing really quick. Excuse me here, but um, sorry, I was looking up the weather, which by the way, is not supposed to be good. 55 and raining. So that's something else to keep in mind. But beyond that, again, it goes back to what I said a minute ago. USC is not good defensively, and they're especially not good against the run. They rank 91st nationally. They're giving up 157 yards per game. Notre Dame runs the ball very well. They need to run the ball to take something off of Sam Hartman's plate. That that was what felt like the issue a few days ago is that if Sam Hartman, it just felt like that guy had to make play after play after play because they couldn't run the football. Have balance. I think they'll have it against USC. And then again, can you can you stop the pass, which is something I think they do, especially if the weather is not very good. So ultimately, this game might be low. It might be sloppy. It might be low scoring. But give me Notre Dame to win outright. I will say they they hold that USC defense in check, USC offense in check. I think they win somewhere in the neighborhood of 31-27. I like them to win. I like them to cover. I like USC to get the victory. I like Notre Dame, excuse me, to get the victory. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Let's get to the rest of the week seven slate in college football. Obviously just hit on Washington, Oregon, USC, Notre Dame. Three games that I want to get to in this segment, and then we will wrap the show with a few others. First one. How about this? 
a top 25 matchup in the ACC that does not involve Clemson or Florida State. That is right. Miami going to North Carolina. This is the 730 Eastern ABC game. Great piece of news for this conference. It's kind of on the brink. Teams are trying to get out. Well, guess what? It isn't just Clemson and Florida State carrying the load anymore. Louisville's really good. Duke's really good. And oh, by the way, Miami and North Carolina both enter this game as top 25 teams. The spread, I should mention, North Carolina minus three and a half. The over-under set at 57. Of course, as great as it is to celebrate both these teams being in the top 25, let's also call a spade a spade. If Mario Cristobal knew how to take an E, we wouldn't be talking about these teams as a top 25 matchup. We would be talking about this as a top 15 matchup and an undefeated matchup between two really good teams. Instead, Mario Cristobal, Miami don't take the knee. They lose to Georgia Tech. We know what happened last week. And listen, credit to Mario Cristobal, credit to his offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson. Everybody's kind of owning what happened on last Saturday against Georgia Tech, but it doesn't change the fact that it was a crushing loss. And I don't think it, and I think it also kind of overshadows the fact that not only would this be an even more high profile game, but also that Miami is actually a very good football team. And I think because they've been a little bit off the radar and certainly because of what happened last week, I don't think they get the credit for just how good they've been through five games. As a matter of fact, I saw this stat and I think it's going to surprise some people. Do you know right now there are only two teams in all of college football that are in the top 10 nationally in both total offense and total defense? One is the Oregon Ducks team that we just talked about. The other the team coached by Oregon's former head coach, Mario Cristobal, the Miami Hurricanes. That is right. Miami, the top 10 offense in college football, a top 10 defense, the number one rushing attack in the ACC. This is a balanced team. This is a talented team. Tyler Van Dyke is playing much better. And again, that loss last week overshadows that this has been a really, really, really good football team. Now, from the North Carolina perspective, I think we kind of know what it's about, right? Drake May is going to be a top five pick in the next NFL draft. Is he the number two pick? Is he the number five pick? We can discuss that in April, but he is a really good college quarterback. Not a great season statistically, eight touchdowns, four interceptions, but he is completing 72% of his passes. And it is worth noting that his most dangerous weapon, Tez Walker, he did not get back at his disposal until this past week. Tez Walker, we all know the narrative there. He was ineligible. Now he's eligible. Six catches, 43 yards in his debut. And oh, by the way, uh, you know, you listen to Mac Brown. He's going to be more involved as time goes on. Now, in terms of this game, I think what will be interesting is this. I know I just said that Miami is a top 10 defense nationally, which they are. But the thing that stands out to me is this is kind of a styles make fights game, almost like USC and Notre Dame, which we just talked about. And what I mean by that is that while Miami is very good on defense overall, if they do have a little bit of a weakness, it is probably in the secondary. This is the 44th ranked pass defense in college football. That's not bad, but it's not great. Obviously, last week they needed to make one of two plays against Georgia Tech to beat them. They could not after they fumbled that football. And then, oh, by the way, on top of that, in the, the, the game that they probably faced the best quarterback they've seen all year, Connor Wigman, Texas A&M, they gave up 330 yards passing. So I suspect that North Carolina will be able to move the ball through the air. And I'll be blunt. I think Miami is able to move the ball both through the air and on the ground. Now, this isn't previous North Carolina teams that can't stop anybody, but it is worth noting a few things. One, Tyler Van Dyke's been really good this year. Was not great last week, three interceptions, 
but in the four games before that had just one interception total. So last week was more of an aberration than anything else. And then on top of that, the run game is just elite. Mario Cristobal, we know his background, we know his narrative, offensive lineman, offensive line coach, wants to dominate the line of scrimmage, and that's what they've done so far with, again, the number one ranked rush offense in the ACC. And so when I look at this game, listen, you want to take Carolina at home, that's fine. You want to take Miami to pull the upset, that's fine. But if I were betting this game, if I was on a side, I'd probably just take the over because you have two elite offenses, two offenses that both rank in the top 15 nationally, two, frankly, probably future NFL quarterbacks, skill positions, talent everywhere. And while I get that the Miami defense has been pretty good, the secondary is the biggest question, and they're going against the best quarterback that they have seen all year long. So go ahead, give me the over of 57. I think this is like a 35-32 type game, 35-31 one way or the other. Don't have a strong lean. I guess if I had to pick, I'd choose Miami. But I think the best, smartest play is probably the over. Let's keep it going. Because you talk, you know, I just talked about bad weeks last week. Mario Cristobal, not his finest moment. Well, let's head to the SEC where Jimbo Fisher, after another disappointing home loss, is now headed with his Texas A&M Aggies to Knoxville, Rocky Top, Tennessee, baby. That is right. Tennessee, a three and a half point favorite at home. The over-under in this one set at 55 and a half. And so it's interesting because you look at these two teams and listen, from the Tennessee perspective, we'll get to them momentarily, but they're coming off a bye. They're really kind of where they should be. But I can tell you, like, like, like they're also, I don't want to speak for the whole fan base, but but there's still some lingering disappointment from that Florida game. And I think everybody's kind of like, was that an aberration? Did that mean anything? Did it not? Florida's not very good. We shouldn't have lost that game. And so I think we're going to learn a lot about Tennessee in this game. But the team that we're going to learn about is Texas A&M, right? Because to me, and I talked about this on Monday's Aaron Torres pod, I really think when you look at this game, this is kind of the one for Jimbo Fisher, right? I think there are a lot of people that were not that were out on Jimbo Fisher before last week. I think there are a lot that are out after last week for all the reasons that we talked about. Not not uh you know not going for it on fourth and one, the late red zone trip where he burned a timeout just to kick a field goal. You go on and on down the list it wasn't a good day for him. What I would say if you bounce back here, I think all is forgotten. But if you lose here as Texas A&M then all of a sudden, realistically, you're probably looking at, first of all, you're, you're four and three. You're on a two-game losing streak going into your bye. Um, you're really probably, uh, you know, whatever. Like, like, like you, you, you know what I'm trying to get at. Like, if you lose this game, I think it completely changes the entire perspective of the AM season. You win this game, you're five and two going into your bye. Nice road win. You lose it, you're four and three. You still, oh, by the way, have at Ole Miss at, at LSU to end the regular season. Those are two great offenses, and you got to be worried if you're an Aggie fan. I think, frankly, you got to be worried if you're Jimbo Fisher and his agent, uh, whether you're going to survive this season or not. Now, in terms of the matchup, listen, we've obviously talked about AM a lot on this show. We really haven't talked a ton about Tennessee. And I think what's interesting about Tennessee, Joe Milton gets all the headlines and all the publicity. Did you see how far he could he could throw it out of the stadium? And it's like, okay, cool. Here's the wild part, though. You know what's crazy about Tennessee? They're a running and defense-based team this year. I think, look, we all remember Hendon Hooker from last year. He was incredible. He was unreal. But at the end of the day, Joe Milton isn't Hendon Hooker. Josh Heupel knows that, and he's relying on other aspects of his team. 
Jalen Wright, the running back, has been phenomenal. Three 100-yard rushing games this season. And oh, by the way, I wonder how many people know this. Tennessee is the number one rush offense in the SEC. So they're moving the ball on the ground. And the defense is actually really good as well. Another one that I wonder how many people really know that uh, Tennessee not only has the number one rush offense in the SEC, you understand that they have a top 25 defense as well. That Alabama defense that everybody raves about, statistically, Tennessee's defense is very similar. Now, have they played at Texas? Have they played even at Texas A&M? No. So I don't want to like overhype them, but through five games, they've been very good. Back to Texas A&M for a second before I make my official pick. Um, you know, listen, we, we know what's at stake and we know what happened last week. And so I just went through it and I don't need to go through it again. I was thinking about that game, though, this week. And I, I do want to mention one thing that I think is worth just briefly discussing before, again, making that pick. And that's this. Texas A&M isn't perfect. We know that. We get that. But there were some positives to take out of last Saturday, probably more than I realized in the moment when I was reacting to it over the weekend. First off, that run defense is still really, 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 really good. I didn't realize this until after the game and after, you know, every cooler heads prevailed, whatever. You know, Alabama in that game had 23 yards rushing under two yards per carry. And I don't think that's like a Alabama's offensive line state. No, no. I think Texas A&M, they still got dudes up front. Edron Cooper's unreal. Walter Nolan's unreal. Uh, uh, you know, Fidel Diggs is unreal. And so this game to me, what I think Texas A&M, it's clearly going to do, make Joe Milton beat you, take away the run game. And then is Joe Milton going to go like Jalen Milrow did last week? Or are you going to have more success? But at the end of the day, when I'm picking this game, one, first of all, can't bet on Texas A&M again because I was the one on this show last week. I can't. Oh, my goodness. Texas A&M. They are going to beat Alabama. And I got burned and I look stupid. So I'm going to stay away. Tennessee, I don't feel like I know enough about to comfortably say that they're going to win this game. If I had to make a straight up pick winner or loser, it's probably Tennessee. But if I had to make a betting pick, this is probably the smart one. It's probably the under. And I know the under isn't sexy and it's not fun to talk about. But at the end of the day, think about this game. Tennessee, the strength of their team is the run game and the defense. They're going to run the ball. They're not a, a chew-up-the-clock type running attack, but they're going to run the ball right into Texas A&M strength. And Texas A&M probably isn't all that worried about Joe Milton. And so Josh Heupel is probably going to try to limit Joe Milton. Texas A&M is probably going to try to make him make plays. And then on the other side, it's probably going to be pretty similar. This Tennessee defense has been very good. And I don't think any of us trust Max Johnson to, to, to go into Knoxville and move the ball up and down the field in a super high-profile game. So if I had to make a pick, rather than picking Tennessee or Texas A&M, I'd actually lean the under in this game of 55 and a half. I think this has 24-21 written all over it, 27-20, something like that. I can't even make a pick. I really have no super strong opinion on who's going to win and who's going to lose, but I do think both defenses show out. I think Tennessee, at the very least, they're playing great defense. They're running the ball well. We'll see about Joe Milton. Again, I think the under is the smart play here. Finally, last game for this segment. How about this? Let's go. Let's stay in the SEC, but let's go down to beautiful Death Valley, Baton Rouge, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I almost said Baton Rouge, South Carolina, I guess, because Clemson's in South Carolina. They're also Death Valley. Anyway, enough nonsense. Game I want to talk about Auburn at LSU. 
LSU, an 11-point favorite at home. By the way, this is a 6 six Central, 7 Eastern kick, so it's going to be a night game over under set at 61. Auburn, much like Tennessee, is coming off their bye. LSU, much like Texas A&M, is coming off an emotional win last week where they had to hold on for dear life against Missouri. And it's interesting because coming out of that game, I had one big takeaway. My big takeaway was pretty straightforward. I said, Jaden Daniels should be at the top of any Heisman Trophy conversation. And I'm like, oh, Torres, they're 4-2. LSU, they, they're not very good this year. I didn't say they're good. I didn't say they're elite. I didn't say they're going to win a national championship. But what I do believe is that they'd probably be 2-4 and four if they were getting average quarterback play right now. Jaden Daniels has been unreal. And it's not only that he's been unreal. It's almost like a little bit like Caleb Williams last year. Why I thought Caleb Williams deserved the Heisman Trophy was not because he put up amazing stats, although he did. It was because he put up amazing stats and his team absolutely positively needed him to be great every single night. And that is essentially what Jaden Daniels has done and is doing this year for LSU. They need him to be great every night. That defense is not good. And look at the stats for this kid so far this season. I mean, just look at the stats for Jaden Daniels. He is absolutely unbelievable. And keep in mind, by the way, he left that game on Saturday briefly with an injury, came back. They end up winning the game. That was a game where he threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions. But on the year, 72% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, two interceptions. And let me say this, with due respect to Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka. Pick your poison of elite wide receiver groups. Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors are the best pair of receivers in college football. 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns between the two of them. That's how I feel about LSU. I believe best wide receiver core in the country. I believe Jaden Daniels is a Heisman Trophy contender and should be a, 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 should be considered a front runner with the Dylan Gabriels, with the Michael Penixes, with the Caleb Williams because of his performance so far. By the way, you know who, who also agrees with me? Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze actually literally said the same thing. Now, he follows me on social media, so maybe he saw the tweet, and maybe he's just quoting Torres. Kidding, Coach Freeze. You know I love you. Uh, but here's what Hugh Freeze had to say about this offense. The quarterback, if he's not in the Heisman discussion, there's a problem. But he's playing at an incredibly high level with dynamic receivers, and there's no weakness on that offense. It's impressive to watch. Here was the interesting quote from Hugh Freeze, though, about this LSU offense. I think to this point, and I haven't watched all the future opponents, so nobody, somebody is probably going to use this for bulletin board material, he said. But to this point, it's the best offensive personnel I've seen in this league to this point. And so when Hugh Freeze says that, I think it stands out. Because the thing about Hugh Freeze, listen, he he's back in the SEC. Um, and I said it. I, I, I know him a little bit. He follows me on Twitter. He's been on the Aaron Torres pod a few times. But the thing about Hugh Freeze, he is brutally honest. And he will tell you exactly how he feels Every moment of every day, like, like when he is in front of the media, he does not lie. When he is in front of the team, he does not lie. You know, he leads every Monday morning meeting by talking about all the plays that he got wrong when he was a play caller at Liberty. Now, he doesn't call plays at Auburn, so I don't know if he still does it. But when he was the play caller at Liberty, he would literally lead every Monday morning meeting. Yeah, I screwed up third and seven, in, you know, in the first quarter, second and eight in the third quarter, whatever. And so why I bring it up. Hugh Freeze tells you exactly how he feels. If you remember on this show, as a matter of fact, we talked about this before Auburn played Texas A&M. Hugh Freeze raved about that Texas A&M defensive front, their third down defense. He said, I don't know if we're going to be 
He said, I don't know if we're going to be able to convert, basically, is what he said. And, of course, Texas A&M won that game going away. And I'm getting some of the same vibes here. Auburn back on the road. He's coach. He's talking up a, a team and a position group and a side of the football. And I don't think he's doing it just to, to pat anybody on the back. I think he really is saying, like, that offense is that good. And so when you add in that offense with an Auburn offense that is still very much a work in progress, and it's not all Peyton Thorne's fault. That was another thing Hugh Freeze talked about. He was just basically like, look, a lot of the mistakes, a lot of the things that kept us from beating Georgia, it wasn't just on him. There were drop passes. There were blown assignments on the offensive line. But I bring it up because for me, it is hard to envision Auburn going to LSU in a night game, winning this game, or even keeping it close deep into the second half. So I will say that in this game, I actually do like LSU to win and cover. I think a final score of like 42 to 27 feels about right. I know that LSU defense hasn't stopped anybody, but at home, I think they have a much better performance. Give me LSU by two touchdowns. All right, so we're going to do take a quick break. Come back. When we come back, we will preview the rest of the week seven slate. Quick break. Be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's get to the rest of the week seven slate. Just hit on a couple SEC games, Texas A&M at Tennessee, Auburn at LSU. I want to stay in the SEC for a minute and go to an interesting one in my perspective down in Lexington, Kentucky. Missouri traveling to Kentucky. Kentucky, a two and a half point favorite. The over under set at 51 and a half. And obviously coming in the big story, we all know what it is in Lexington, and it is the week that Mark Stoops has had away from the field and kind of away from whatever. And by now, everybody knows what Mark Stoops said. He kind of called out Georgia, called out Kirby Smart. I don't even know if you would say he called them out. He just stated, hey, Kentucky fans, if you're complaining, you want to be better. It's all about NIL in 2023. Um, I didn't love the comments. I, I don't like people trying to speculate on what else goes in other programs, but I get it. It's the NIL era. We talked about it on the Aaron Torres pod. But from the perspective of this game, I do think it is worth noting one thing. It is a distraction. Coaches hate distractions. And the worst kinds of distractions are the ones that are created by the coaches themselves. And I know some people say, oh, Torres, you're overreacting. You're making something out of nothing. No, I'm not. Because it wasn't just that you called out Kirby Smart. It wasn't just that you called out Georgia. It's the fact that you kind of called out your own players. You can tell me that, look, it's the NIL world. This is how college football works. You can't tell me there wasn't a single one of those 85 guys in that Kentucky locker room that saw that quote and said, 
wait a second now. I'm barely getting paid anything or I'm not getting paid anything at all. And coach doesn't think I'm doing my good. Screw that. Like, like this stuff has a trickle down effect. There's no doubt in my mind that I'm guessing at least some of the players were not happy. Certainly, I guarantee I've been doing this long enough to know the parents, some weren't happy. I guarantee either the assistants or Mark Stoops himself had to take some phone calls from some angry parents basically saying, are you telling me my son's not good enough? Because my son's doing X, Y, and Z. And if he doesn't think he's good enough, we're going to pack our bags and go somewhere else. And so I'm guessing behind the scenes, it's a lot of massaging. It's a lot of this. It's a lot of that. And in terms of on the field, I actually do think it's a little bit of a nice matchup for Missouri. Now you're going on the road. It is a night game, but Kentucky's pass defense has not been very good last this year. We saw it last week with Carson Beck kind of carving them up. And Missouri has an elite pass offense. Brady Cook, to me, is one of the breakout stars in all of college football. I am so impressed by who he is and what he is capable of doing. Obviously, having Luther Burden, the five-star at wide receiver, that kind of speaks to itself. Theo Wees, the Oklahoma transfer, is playing very well as well. So this is an elite pass offense going against a shaky pass defense in a week where there have been off-the-field headlines at Kentucky. Now, in terms of picking this game, I will ultimately stay away. Because as much as I do think that a lot of the matchups favor Kentucky, by the way, Kentucky's run game is elite. Missouri has a pretty good run defense. A couple things do give me hesitation. One, Missouri's banged up coming out of that LSU game, right? LSU uh, back and forth, up and down, 60-minute game. Cody Schrader, their leading rusher, their, their star running back, may not be available in this game. And I do think, you know, it being at night in Lexington, it's going to be an incredible environment, incredible crowd. And it's worth noting, this is a place that Missouri has struggled at since they've come to the SEC. They won in their first year in the SEC in Lexington in 2013, have not won since. They've lost four straight in Lexington. And so to me, this is a stay away. If I had a lean, I kind of like Missouri as a road underdog but not enough to bet it, not enough to put my own hard-earned money, especially being a night game. If it was a a, a noon Eastern kick, if the crowd wasn't going to be great, it's going to be a night game. The crowd will be awesome. Let's stay in the SEC for one more game, um, and that is Arkansas-Alabama. Alabama is now a 20-point favorite in this game, over under 46 and a half. You know, this is what I'm just – what do you say, right? Um, Arkansas, they're they're teetering on the brink of just – disaster basically uh they're sitting at two and four overall they're on a four game losing streak last week obviously you had a chance at Ole Miss you don't get the job done and Arkansas fans are frustrated because Sam Pittman is an offensive line coach the offensive line is the biggest problem I don't know if KJ Jefferson has regressed or if he is just not confident behind that offensive line when you don't have the offensive line going you can't run the football struggling in the pass game And so because of it, going to Alabama this week certainly isn't going to figure things out. This is now the third straight week, or is it the the fourth straight week that Arkansas has been on the road at LSU, A&M on a neutral, uh, at Ole Miss, at Alabama? That's insane. I thought it was three straight. That's four straight games away from home. So that is unbelievable. And then from the Alabama perspective, listen, coming off an emotional win at Texas A&M, Uh, The money has been coming in on Bama. They were about an 18, 18 and a half point favorite to open. It is now 20. I think the big question is, listen, I think we all know Alabama is going to win, but in a noon kickoff, 11 local time, do you get the same effort that you got last week in College Station? College Station, everyone's picking against you. Nobody believes in you, all that good stuff. 
Now you're going back home. You're expected to win. You're expected to dominate all of the things that we've talked about all week. You're back in the national championship hunt. You're back in the SEC title hunt. You lead the SEC West. Can you maintain that focus? Especially when you think about the fact that, oh, by the way, keep in mind that it's not as though, um, you know, it's not as though you played a perfect game at Texas A&M. Remember, Texas A&M, that game, uh, Alabama, as I just said in the Texas A&M preview, had like 23 yards rushing. And so I look at Alabama in that game. I do worry enough to probably not bet it. I think Alabama, I know Alabama is going to win. I think they cover no real strong opinions here. Just, just a total stay away to me. It, you know, I think Alabama could win 24 to three and cover. I think Alabama could win 31 to 10 and cover. I think Alabama could win 24 to 10 and not cover. So stay away from me. I won't be betting that one. Uh, a couple other ones. Let's go back out to the Pac-12. Uh, you know, listen, we spent so much time talking Oregon and Washington this week. There's another top 25 matchup in this league uh, as UCLA travels to Oregon State. I don't know how many people realize this. Both of these teams are coming into this game with just one loss. Ironically, uh, Oregon State lost to Washington State. UCLA lost to Utah. Not ironic, actually, but but I, I thought for a second they both lost to the same team, but then I was wrong. Um, but interesting spread. Oregon State's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under at 54, and that's what's interesting to me because you look at both of these teams, and both of them are elite defensively with questionable quarterback play, okay? Uh, Oregon State obviously has DJ Uyangalale. We've known about him pretty much forever on the season, 60% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, he is coming off a five-touchdown performance, but it was also against a bad Cal pass defense. And so I don't know that you could take too much away from that. And then from UCLA, uh, they have the five-star Dante Moore, really talented young player, but he is a true freshman, second road start, first road start, UCLA scores seven total points, and I believe it was on a pick six that they scored their only points. And so I, I, I think to me, the side is the under because the thing about this game is that both these defenses are elite. I don't know how many people know this. UCLA is a top five national defense. And for this team under Chip Kelly, which for so many years, people like it was score, 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 score. He has kind of really reinvented this program without Dorian Thompson, Robinson, without Zach Charbonnet, without the guys that he had last year into a great defensive team. Oregon State, meanwhile, they're pretty much the same. Top 30 defense nationally. They're especially good against the run. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Dante Moore. And so because of it, the under feels super obvious to me. I'm actually surprised that this number is so high. 54 is the total. Because UCLA's games haven't even been close. 54 is the total. Here are UCLA's totals in the four games they've played against FBS opponents this year. 40, 45, 21, and 42. They haven't even been close to 54, so I don't know where this 54 comes from unless Vegas somehow knows that there's going to be multiple defensive touchdowns. Uh, I will take the under in this game. I think it'll be a fun game, low-scoring game. It is in Corvallis. It's a night game, so it should be a great environment. Would guess Oregon State wins like the under more than either side. One more Pac-12 game, and then we'll rip through everything else. We got to go to Friday night. Let's go to Friday night and let's get to uh, Stanford at Colorado. That's right. The Colorado Buffaloes. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about them. Colorado opened as an 11 point favorite. It is now up to 11 and a half. The over under is set at 59 and a half. 
And it's been an interesting couple days for Colorado. One, I don't know how many of you saw Coach Prime's press conference following the Arizona State game on Saturday, but he was not happy, okay? This was a guy that basically called out his team. He said point blank, that effort is not good enough. I think he said we played like hot garbage and really just let his guys know that ex- that effort is not acceptable. That's not the standard. And I talked about it a little bit on the Aaron Torres pod, but I loved that from Coach Prime because at the end of the day, that's what all good coaches do. It's not about a win. It's not about a loss. It's not about a record. It is about a standard. And what Coach Prime said was, I don't care if we lost. The standard that we have set was not met. So I expect a better effort. And I expect a better effort also because, weirdly, this Colorado team is getting healthy going into a bye. Usually, when you're going into the bye, that's when everybody's banged up. You need the week off. And I do think Colorado kind of really could use that week off. But they're starting to get healthy. Travis Hunter may play this weekend. I think Coach Prime probably plays it safe. I don't expect him to play a ton. But Coach Prime did not rule it out. And so it sounds like he may be good to go. Uh, he's been practicing all week. He's got padding at that, you know, at that spot that he got injured. We all know what the injury was. And then also, I think it's worth noting, Coach Prime said that he's going to make it a priority to get Alton McCaskill, an all-AAC freshman running back us uh, two seasons ago, was hurt last year, some reps this week. He is a between-the-tackles runner, big physical runner. And so, to me, they're getting healthy. I think they kind of got their you know what's chewed out after the game against Arizona State. I think we get a great effort on, on Friday night uh, in Boulder, okay? Great home crowd. It'll be a Friday night. The place will be rocking. You're starting to get healthy. You're going into a bye. And bluntly, you're just not playing a very good Stanford team. And I no disrespect to Stanford. They're doing their best, but it's a first-year head coach. They lost a lot of guys to the portal. Um, unlike most programs in college football, they can't really go to the portal. They don't really take undergraduate transfers. And so because of it, they're just between a rock and a hard place. They don't have enough good players. And specifically, they don't have enough good players on the defensive side, or, or, or yeah, especially on the defensive side of the football, 123rd in total defense. How about this? 130th in pass defense. Hundred, There's only 133 teams, 130th in pass defense, and they've only got eight sacks in five games. So if there's ever a game for this offensive line to get right going into the bye, this is it. I expect Colorado to win. I expect them to cover, again, a national TV audience under the lights Friday nights. I think you get Colorado's best effort. A couple Big Ten games. You know, I'm the guy that coined the phrase that we blindly bet Michigan until further notice. That 33 and a half is a little too juicy for me, though. They play Indiana at home. Talked about it on Wednesday's Aaron Torres pod. I feel like Michigan is, like, they're the number two team in the country. I don't know if they're getting enough credit for just how good that they have been this year. They're dominating everybody. They beat a good, you know, Nebraska's a good enough team. Nebraska, you know, Nebraska had the number two run defense in college football going into that game two weeks ago. Michigan put up 249 yards on them. So I think Michigan's going to win. I I think they probably cover, but I won't be betting it. Interesting game in the Big Ten West. I don't think a lot of people realize this, but right now in the Big Ten West, you look at the standings, Guess who's atop the 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 leaderboard there? Wisconsin is four and one overall, two and zero in the league. Iowa is five and one, two and one in the league. They play on Saturday in Camp Randall, um, and Wisconsin's been an interesting team. They had that bad loss to Washington State a few weeks ago. Maybe it's not as bad as people think, 
but they've come back nicely. Three straight wins, open Big Ten play with back-to-back wins over Purdue and Rutgers. This will be the biggest test, though. Iowa, I know everybody's got jokes about Iowa, but they still play pretty good defense. As I said, they're coming into this game sitting at 5-1. and one. Their only loss was to a good Penn State team on the road. They beat their cross-state rivals, Iowa State. They beat Michigan State and Purdue. Um, spreads 10. I can't bet it. The over-under is going down. It was at like 36 and a half. It's down to 34 and a half. Can I say I'd probably take the over if I had a choice? So total stay away to me. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. I, I Listen, we've gone on long enough for today's show. I feel like the show has been like four hours long, uh, but that's all I really got. My favorite bets, as I've, I've kind of told you throughout the show, I do like Oregon to win straight up. Do like Notre Dame to cover like that Miami UNC over like the Tennessee, Texas A&M under. And I do like Auburn to win and cover. By the way, all my picks available at AaronTorresOnline.com. All right, I think that's it for this show. As I just said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever there's a podcast, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to find the YouTube channel. Really would help me, would help our audience grow exponentially. Would appreciate your support there. Make sure. You are subscribed. Make sure you're following. And also, thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet $5 on any game. Get $200 in bonus bets. Thanks to DraftKings when you use the code Torres. Obviously, for first-time customers only. That's all for today's show. Appreciate everybody's support. It is time for me to get out of here. Enjoy Week 7, everybody. I will be back next week. for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.